Welcome to Watchmen on the Wall, a daily outreach of Southwest Radio Ministries and SWRC.com. Today, Josh Davis has a brand new One World Update, looking at the latest proof that there is a worldwide push toward globalism. Friends, our final prophecy conference of the year is just a few weeks away. Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Three days with over a dozen speakers, including Jonathan Kahn, Donald Perkins, and Bill Federer. Registration is open right now. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit the events page of our website, swrc.com. Don't miss this special opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn. Be sure and ask about our special VIP package when you call 1-800-652-1144. Details on America's border crisis, the latest on global relations between Israel and Saudi Arabia, and more are coming up right now on today's One World Update with Josh Davis. Today I'll be discussing Biden's border policy and the role that globalism plays in that. I'll also be discussing our nation's involvement with the war in Ukraine and how that we can see globalism at work there. And then we also see globalism on display through some of the recent alliances that Israel has announced with Saudi Arabia and with China of all countries. So I'll be bringing those stories to you along with commentary in this special One World Update segment. Now, I do want to remind you that we'll be in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. And at the conferences we go to, my One World Update is one of my key presentations that I always give, trying to keep it up to date as much as possible up till the day of that I'm going to be speaking so that I can bring you some of the latest information and you can be up to date on what is happening, how our world is moving, to this one world system. So let's jump into the first story about Biden's border policy and globalism. And in recent months, we have seen an absolute surge of migrants across America's southern border. And the U.S. Customs and Border Protection Agency tracks the nationwide encounters by the month. And in the month of August, they noted over 304,000 encounters. So let's put that in perspective. In one month, we encountered more migrants than many of our U.S. state capitals have citizens. 304,000 people. That's more than the population of these state capitals. St. Paul, Minnesota, Lincoln, Nebraska, Madison, Wisconsin, Boise, Idaho, Richmond, Virginia, Des Moines, Iowa, Salt Lake City, Utah, Little Rock, Arkansas, Tallahassee, Florida. You know, I could keep going on and on, but I think you get the point by now. So in this fiscal year to date, which has one more month to go, we're 11 months in this fiscal year to date, we've encountered 2.86 million people at our borders. 2.86 million people at our borders. That's more than the population of 15 United States. In the last three fiscal years, the numbers have skyrocketed. We've encountered 7.5 million people at the U.S. borders. So to put that in perspective, there's only 13 states in America that have populations greater than 7.5 million people. We've created basically a brand new U.S. state with these 7.5 million people. 
And remember, the statistics that I'm using are from the official government agency in charge, the U.S. Customs and Border Protection. So these numbers describe the encounters they had with migrants. It does not take into account those that didn't go through the proper channels, like the getaways and others. So what does this have to do with globalism? Over these last three years since President Biden has had his administration in control, we have seen these numbers absolutely skyrocket. And as much as people like to belittle President Biden and his administration, I don't think that this situation at the border is based on ineptitude. I believe that the Biden administration are acting out their policies, and they're enabling this surge. So some attribute these policies to political posturing. You know, they're trying to bring in millions of new people into America, give them everything that they could need or want, and give them free access to this and that and the other. And in so doing, they're going to ensure that they've got votes and that they can win more elections in the future. You know, maybe that plays a role in the administration's policies, but I still see a bigger global perspective at work that's really driving and motivating a lot of these decisions that they're making. So could this border crisis create the need for a global solution? Would a one-world citizenship be offered as the solution? Boy, we just can't keep up with all these people that keep coming in across our borders. And by the way, it's not just America that's facing this problem. There's other countries in the world that's facing this same problem. Could a one-world citizenship be the solution for these things? I'll unfold what I think might happen, but we need to start with what the Bible says will happen during the period known as the Great Tribulation. Of course, Revelation 13 is perhaps the central passage on these kinds of things. It reveals so many details of what the system is going to look like during the Great Tribulation. One world government, one world worship, one world economy. And so the one world government will be led by the notorious figure known as the Antichrist. So in order to get a one world government, what do you have to have? You have to have a one world citizenship as well. You see, we have to be citizens of this one world government, not citizens of individual nations. That will be wiped away, but it's got to be citizenship of this one world government. And by the way, just as a side note, as Christians, we won't be here at this time for this. We believe in the rapture of the church so very strongly. I believe that in the premillennial rapture, that means that the church will be raptured out and the pre-tribulation rapture of the church before the tribulation begins. And I think that one of the easiest ways to accomplish a one-world citizenship would be accomplished through a global digital identification system. You know, we have the biometric tools and place already. Many of us are using these kinds of things every day on our cell phones and other kinds of technology. Facial recognition software lets you unlock your iPhone, for instance, and you could use something similar to that to create a database of the world's citizens. Just scan everyone's face, recognize that into the system, and then you've got your database ready to go, your citizenship of the globe. Many countries are moving towards digital government IDs as we speak. So this would give the government the ability to identify anyone who is traveling anywhere in the world. 
So how could this be used to solve border security issues? It would absolutely erase borders altogether. I mean, people would be free to come and to go whenever they wanted, wherever they wanted, unless there was a crackdown and and they said, nope, you've got to stay in place. So it could be used to control people as well. So as the face is scanned by cameras, the government could track when and where somebody entered or exited their borders. We have security cameras that right now that you can buy for your house that has facial recognition software built in. And uh, you can imagine a network of cameras and the Big Brother kind of thing going on at where these cameras could watch the borders or could watch throughout our cities and towns and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, and keep track and recognize who's moving, where, where are they going, where are they coming to. I know that when the Antichrist comes, it'll be presented as global freedom, that you can go anywhere you want, travel as much as you want. You already have your global citizenship, and that is your passport to the entire world. No more need for country passports, individual nation passports. You have a global citizenship. Go anywhere you want, anytime you want. That will be the bill of goods sold during the Great Tribulation. And I believe that the crisis that we're seeing at our border is part of pushing us towards this global citizenship culture, this mindset, if you will. And speaking of mindset, I want you to check out my forthcoming book, Rise of the One World Mind. I can't wait to share it with you more. I talk about the mindset behind these kinds of things that we see happening in our world. And again, our upcoming conference at Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. I'll be unpacking some more of these kinds of concepts in my One World Update conference presentation. Let's go on to our second story that has to do with President Biden and the Ukraine war. We've seen recently that President Biden prioritized sending aid to Ukraine, but as 60 Minutes recently reported, the American taxpayers are footing the bill for things like Ukrainian first responders' salaries and even some subsidies for small businesses. 60 Minutes reports that Ukraine has received $25 billion from the United States in non-military aid since the Russian invasion began. Some of that is helping them with food and with farming and, and items like that, but it's also subsidies for Ukrainian small businesses and salaries for their police and firefighters and first responders there. And I understand that this is a complicated issue with human lives at stake. And I believe that also applies to my previous section when I was talking about immigration. These are souls, these are people that God loves, God wants to save. And so don't misunderstand my heart, because war should break our hearts. When people are suffering, it should break our hearts. We should want to help because of the human devastation that we see on display. America and its allies have equipped the Ukrainian military to fight against Russia with billions of dollars worth of military equipment and supplies. My focus right now is more on this non-military spending $25 billion worth of U.S. taxpayers' money that has gone to support non-military aid since the Russian invasion began. So when it comes to this non-military aid, us as U.S. taxpayers, we need to ask some important questions. 
Is there a strategy to bring this war to an end? Is this just going to go on and on and on? Thus far, no measures to bring it to an end have been announced at all. And here's another big question. Can we afford it? We're borrowing against our future to send these funds that we've already sent. Future generations of Americans, my young kids and my grandkids that aren't even a thought yet, because I still consider myself to be young, even them, they will be paying this bill, what we're spending right now. And really, this is the big question. What about our priorities? It seems that the Biden administration has really prioritized sending this kind of non-military aid to Ukraine over solving the serious economic issues that we're facing here at home. What about supporting our military heroes? What about supporting their families? They are the ones who have sacrificed so much to protect us, to preserve our freedoms. Are we supporting them at the same level we're supporting what's going on in Ukraine? Here again, I think we find the connection to globalism. So my commentary, again, is not aimed at arguing the legitimacy of this particular war. I'm not trying to argue about our involvement in it. Rather, I hope that you see the underlying philosophy of why our leaders feel the need to send billions of dollars in non-military aid to Ukraine. When the World Economic Forum met back in January, they proclaimed the need to foster what they called cooperation over competition among nations. And you know what? I get it. We need to be nice neighbors. However, what underlies this philosophy is the belief that any nation that puts the needs of its citizens ahead of another nation's is being selfish and therefore competitive, not cooperative. So they encourage us to start thinking globally and stop thinking locally. So if the U.S. government thinks globally, then Ukrainian citizens would hold the same priority as American citizens. If the U.S. government thinks locally, then American citizens would have a higher priority than citizens of any other nation. When budgetary decisions are made, a globally focused government will prioritize the needs of other nations as equal to or greater than our own. And a locally focused government, by contrast, will prioritize the needs of America over the needs of other nations. And I hope this helps you to understand why there's such a philosophical divide in America today. Budgetary arguments are about much more than dollars and cents. They're about the priority of people. Friends, I do want to remind you about our upcoming conference in Columbus, Ohio. It's October 26th through the 28th. We're going to have a wonderful weekend there. I'll be sharing much more information like this in my One World Update as I do at all of our conferences for a full 45 minutes explaining and exposing some of the threats and the concepts behind globalism and how we see our world moving in that direction. Can't wait to share that with you in Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Another couple of resources that we use to get this kind of information in your hands, in your heads, and in such a way that you can distribute it out to others is through our free Prophetic Observer newsletter. It comes into your mailbox for free every single month. All you have to do is call our ministry and sign up today. And I write content like this very often, and I want to 
get that into your hands, you can sign up by calling 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. If you're a new listener and you'd like to receive a free new listener pack, you can let us know that as well. And it'll include the latest edition of our Prophetic Observer newsletter in that. Also, we have the wonderful Prophecy in the News magazine. You can check out prophecyinthenews.com and you can click on magazine and see some of the editions and what it's like. But we try to stay on top of these kinds of issues and bring them to you every month in a brand new issue of the Prophecy in the News magazine. It's available through SWRC by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. You can ask about subscriptions to the Prophecy in the News magazine, and you can also visit prophecyinthenews.com. Our website also is swrc.com. That's swrc.com. Now let's go back to our third story, and now we're going to be moving to Israel and their relations with countries like Saudi Arabia. And I'm going to bring that up next, but first I want to tell you about the Israel and China agreement. Did you hear about this one? Not many people were aware of this. It sort of snuck under the radar because it doesn't seem extremely significant compared to what they're talking about with Saudi Arabia, but I still find it very important. It's reported that in a significant stride towards the global collaboration, Israel has forged a promising partnership with the Chinese Contractors Association, which aims to revitalize the construction sector in Israel. The CEO of the Population and Immigration Authority of China emphasized the positive impact of this initiative on the housing sector and highlights Israel's dedication to growth and global cooperation. There's that buzzword again, global cooperation. So this collaboration not only signifies Israel's commitment to excellence, but also embodies the ethos of unity in diversity. Here's what the article had to say, quote, As Israel continues to honor its rich history while eagerly shaping its future, this venture stands as a testament to its global outreach and spirit of camaraderie, marking a new chapter of unity, end quote. This story is laden with all kinds of globalist buzzwords. Global cooperation is chief among them, and that phrase is sweeping the whole planet. It's playing a role in America's border crisis. It's playing a role in America's budgetary decisions. Now we see it's impacting Israel and China and beyond. Global cooperation. Friends, watch out for that term. That will clue you in to some of the agenda behind these kinds of things. And that leads us to our fourth story. What's happening between Israel and Saudi Arabia and the agreement that they're making. Amir Sarfati, whom we had on the program just about a month ago, notes that during the UN's meetings just a couple weeks ago, quote, Prime Minister Netanyahu met with U.S. President Joe Biden, and they discussed numerous issues, including their joint stated commitment to not allowing Iran to develop nuclear weapons. But chief among the topics was the normalization of ties between Saudi Arabia and Israel, which the U.S. is helping to broker. A sticking point for the Biden administration has been the Palestinian issue. Netanyahu promised to compromise on a limited basis. A key issue for Saudi Arabia has been their desire for a defense alliance with the United States similar to that enjoyed by Japan and South Korea. 
This week, the Biden administration agreed to that. In a truly amazing interview with Brett Bauer, Fox News, Saudi Arabia's Crown Prince Mohammed bin Salman denied reports that normalization talks with Israel had stalled. Quote, every day we get closer, it seems, is for the first time a real one, serious. We get to see how it goes, end quote, said the de facto leader of the nation, otherwise known as MBS. Much will depend on negotiations over the Palestinians, and MBS said he wanted to see, quote, a good life for Palestinians, end quote, but he stopped short of demanding a two-state solution for Israel and the Palestinians. While most of the negotiations are taking place behind closed doors, there is an occasional leak. And one such bit of leaked news is momentous if true. The Saudis are very concerned over the possibility of Iran going nuclear, with MBS saying that if it were to happen, then Saudi Arabia would, quote, have to get one for security reasons for balancing power, end quote. Yeah, that's right. The Saudis are talking about bringing in nuclear weapons into their country. Now the Wall Street Journal is reporting that a secretive deal is being discussed between Israeli officials and the Biden administration for the establishment of a U.S.-run uranium enrichment facility in Saudi Arabia as part of this normalization deal. We appreciate Amir Safadi, his ministry, and his informing us of these matters. Can you imagine a U.S.-run uranium enrichment facility in Saudi Arabia that would allow controlled, if you will, version of these weapons? We see that globalism is certainly on the rise. My goal is not to scare you. My goal is to inform you. It's to equip you. It's to help you to open your eyes to what's happening in the world around us. But ultimately, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus. You know, we're going to hear about wars and rumors of wars. We're going to hear about nuclear weapons. We're going to hear of the rise of a one-world system. We're going to hear more bad news. But as Christians, we should not lose heart. We've got to remember Jesus' words to his followers. When he described these kinds of things to his disciples, when they asked him about the end of the age and what it would look like, he gave them these words found in Luke 21, 28. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. That's it, friends. Look up. Lift up your heads. Don't hang your heads down. Don't live defeated. Don't live discouraged. Look up. Lift up your heads, for your redemption draweth nigh. So we can be encouraged as children of God, as followers of Jesus Christ. God's plan for the ages is unfolding absolutely perfectly. He is in complete control. He's accomplishing His will even during these difficult times that we're living in. And we have to, we have to anchor our hope, our faith, our peace, our joy in Him. You see, joy can come to us irregardless of our circumstances. Paul wrote about joy in the book of Philippians when he was sitting in jail. We see the rise of globalism. We see wars and rumors of wars all around us. We see these complex problems that our nation and our world is facing right now. And we can't allow that to steal our joy because we've got to anchor and root our joy in Him irregardless of our circumstances.
And friends, again, I want to extend one more invitation to you to join us in Columbus, Ohio. I feel like it's going to be an important gathering, and you don't want to miss out. It's going to be October 26th through the 28th. I'll be there with my One World Update, Micah Van Hus, Clayton Van Hus, Larry Stam, Larry Spargimino, the host of Watchmen on the Wall, will be there, along with many other guests like Jonathan Kahn, and the list just continues to go on and on and on. Again, it's October 26th through the 28th. You can register at swrc.com, click on events, and it'll pull up the information for you. You can also register over the phone by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. And be sure when you get in touch with us that you sign up to receive our Watchman on the Wall information. As a new listener, if you are a new listener, you can receive that new listener pack, which includes our Prophetic Observer newsletter that comes in your mailbox free of charge every month along with our Timely Tools catalog of resources that we have available from our ministry every single month. Brand new resources are put in there. And don't forget to check out our Prophecy in the News magazine by going to prophecyinthenews.com. You can also subscribe over the phone by calling us at 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. If you would like to stay in the know about what is happening around our world and how those events line up with Scripture, make sure you subscribe to the Prophecy in the News magazine and our Prophetic Observer newsletter. Both publications are full of timely articles, keeping time on God's prophetic clock and always encouraging us to keep looking up. Subscribe today when you call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. One one four four. Our final prophecy conference of the year is just a few weeks away. Columbus, Ohio, October 26th through the 28th. Three days with over a dozen speakers, including Jonathan Kahn, Donald Perkins, and Bill Federer. Registration is open right now. Call 1-800-652-1144. That's 1-800-652-1144. Or visit the events page of our website swrc.com. Don't miss this special opportunity to hear Jonathan Kahn. Be sure and ask about our special VIP package when you call 1-800-652-1144. Prophecy in the News founder J.R. Church did extensive research on the legend of the Holy Grail. This research resulted in a best-selling book and DVD. He also provided extensive teaching on his findings. Guardians of the Grail book, DVD and complete audio series are all available today when you call 1-800-652-1144, Prophecy in the News Magazine, and the Prophetic Observer Newsletter, two excellent ways to stay informed and encouraged. As we close out the week, I want to say a special thank you to everyone who prays for Southwest Radio Ministries and Watchmen on the Wall. Your prayers are needed, and they're very appreciated. If we can pray for you, please contact us either by phone 1-800-652-1144 or through email prayer at swrc.com. Lord willing, we'll be back here Monday ready to once again bring clarity to the chaos. So head into the weekend with the encouragement that God is still on the throne and prayer 
changes things. Watchmen on the Wall is a production of Southwest Radio Ministries and is supported by faithful listeners just like you. Visit swrc.com. That's swrc.com.